0: That is exciting, so um, you can applaud that. But we're going to be in Luke 23 today. We're going to do the whole chapter, which is crazy. But before we even get there, I want to show you a video. It's a recap of 19 through 23. We've kind of been on this journey, if you remember, 9 through 19, where it was Galilee, Jesus going from Galilee all the way into Jerusalem. And then a lot has happened in the last few chapters. So we're going to do a brief uh, recap here, and then we'll read uh, chapters 23.
1: So we're walking through the Gospel of Luke, and we've reached the end of Jesus' long road trip to Jerusalem, he's
2: arrived. So he rides a donkey down the Mount of Olives towards the city, and all these crowds are forming and people are singing, praise the king who comes in the name of the Lord. They're laying down their cloaks in front of him.
1: Why all this royal treatment?
2: Okay, so Israel's ancient prophets promised that one day God himself would arrive and rescue his people and rule the world. Other times, the prophet spoke about a coming king who would ride into Jerusalem to bring justice and peace.
1: So Jesus is activating all these hopes that he's that king, and everyone's ecstatic.
2: Well, not everybody. The religious leaders, they think Jesus is a threat to their power, and so they're not happy. But even more striking, Jesus himself is distraught. He's actually weeping as he rides. Yeah, why? Well, Jesus can see what is coming. He knows that he won't be accepted as Israel's king. And he knows that Israel will keep going down a destructive path, neglecting the poor, stirring up rebellion against their Roman oppressors. And he knows that it will lead to death. It breaks his heart.
1: And it riles him up. The first thing he does in Jerusalem is march into the temple courts, and he drives out the money changers, disrupting the entire sacrificial system.
2: Yeah, he's staging a prophetic protest, and he stands in the center of the courtyard, shouting out words from Israel's ancient prophets. This is supposed to be a place of worship, but you've made it a den of rebels. A den of rebels? Yeah, he's quoting from the prophet Jeremiah, who stood in this same spot, the center of Israel's religious and political power. And he offered the same critique of Israel's leaders, that they're rebellious and corrupt.
1: And they get the message and start to plan to have him killed.
2: Which is no surprise to Jesus. In fact, he planned that all of this would happen during Passover.
1: This is the holy week when Jewish people celebrate their ancient story of how God liberated them from slavery and invited them into a covenant relationship.
2: And so Jesus uses the symbols of Passover to reveal the meaning of his coming death. The broken bread was his broken body, and the wine was his blood that would establish a new covenant relationship between God and Israel. Jesus was going to die for his people and open up a new way forward. After the meal, Jesus takes his disciples to a garden to pray. And he struggles with the very human desire to save his life instead of sacrificing it. But he overcomes this temptation.
1: And it's here where the religious leaders, with the temple guards, find him and arrest him.
2: Now, Jerusalem was being ruled by the Roman Empire, and so the temple leaders couldn't execute Jesus without permission from their Roman governor, a man named Pontius Pilate. And so they make up this charge that Jesus is a rebel king stirring up revolution against the Roman emperor.
1: Pilate asks Jesus, are you the king of the
2: Jews? And Jesus answers, you say so.
1: So Pilate can see that Jesus is an innocent man, and he doesn't deserve death.
2: But the leaders keep insisting that he is dangerous, so they negotiate a compromise. Pilate will release an actual rebel against Rome, a man named Barabbas, instead of Jesus. And so the innocent is handed over in the place of the guilty.
1: Jesus is taken away with two other accused criminals and nailed to a Roman execution device. And people are mocking him. Hey, if you're the
2: Messianic King, save yourself and us. But Jesus loved his enemies to the very end, offering hope to one of the criminals dying beside him. And he even prayed for his executors. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And then the sky darkened as an innocent
1: man died the death of a rebel.
2: And then Jesus cried out with ancient words from Israel's Psalms. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And then... Jesus died, innocent and alone.
0: So today we're going to be reading, again, all of chapter 23. Follow along if you have your Bible. We'll also have it up on the screen. I think some, for some of you, it is so much scripture, you might want to even close your eyes, if you can do that without falling asleep. Uh, but close your eyes and, and just imagine this scene. Imagine uh, what is happening. Uh, today in the traditional church, we'd be celebrating Palm Sunday Sunday. Uh, the week uh, that Jesus comes in on this triumphal entry. We've been covering that week, uh, the last week of his earthly ministry here before the cross, for several months. And so we're going to uh, pick it up right here, Luke 23. Again, follow along your Bible on the screen, or uh, if you dare, <laughs> close your eyes and listen to the word of God. Then the whole assembly rose and led him off, Jesus, to Pilate they began to accuse him, saying, We have found this man subverting our nation. He opposes payment of taxes to Caesar and claims to be Messiah, a king. So Pilate asked Jesus, Are you the king of the Jews? Well, you have said so, Jesus replied. Then Pilate announced to the chief priests and the crowd, I find no basis for a charge against this man. But they insisted, He stirs up people all over Judea by His teaching. He started in Galilee, and He's come all the way here. Hearing this, Pilate asked if the man was a Galilean. When he heard that Jesus was under Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who was also in Jerusalem at this time. Verse 8, when Herod saw Jesus, he was... ...him, then Herod and his soldiers ridiculed and mocked. Dressing him in an elegant robe, they sent him back to Pilate. That day, verse 12 tells us, Herod and Pilate became friends. For this, Pilate and Herod, they had been enemies. Pilate called together the chief priests, the rulers, and the people. He said to them, you brought me this man as one who was inciting the people to rebellion. I've examined him in your presence. i found no basis for the charges against him. Neither has Herod's For He sent him back to us. As you can see, he has done nothing to deserve death. Therefore, I will punish him, but then I'll release him. The whole crowd shouted, No, away with this man! Release Barabbas, or Barabbas to us! Barabbas, who had been thrown into prison for an insurrection in the city and, by the way, for murder. Verse 20. Wanting to release Jesus, Pilate appealed to them again, but they kept shouting, Crucify him! Crucify him! For the third time he spoke to them, Why? What crime has this man committed? I have found, no, uh, found in him no grounds for the death penalty. Therefore I will have him punished and then release him. But the loud shouts, they insistently demanded that he be crucified, and their shouts prevailed. So verse 24, Pilate decides to grant their demand. He releases the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and for murder, the one they asked for, and surrendered Jesus to their will. As the soldiers led him away, they seized Simon from Cyrene. He was on his way in from the country. They put a cross on him, made him carry it behind Jesus. A large number of people, they followed him, including women who were mourning and wailing for Jesus. Jesus turned said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children. For the time will come when you will say, Blessed are the childless women, the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, Cover us. Or if people do these things when the tree is green, what will happen when it's dry? Two other men, both criminals, they were led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right, one on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching. The rulers even sneered at Jesus. They said, He saved others. Let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the Chosen One soldiers also came up. They mocked him. They offered him the wine vinegar. They said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was written notice above Jesus, which read, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insult to Jesus. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God? Since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly, for we're getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. He said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in prayer. It was now about noon. Darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. The sun stopped shining. The curtain of the temple torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he said this, he breathed his last. The centurion, seeing what had happened, he praised God and said, Surely this was a righteous man. And when all the people who had gathered to witness the sight saw what took place, they beat their breasts and they went away. But all those who knew Jesus, including those women who had followed him from Galilee, they stood at a distance watching these things. Now there was a man, his name was Joseph, he was a member of the council, good and upright man. He had not consented to their decision or their action. He came from the Judean town of Arimathea, and he himself was waiting for the kingdom of God. Going to Pilate, Joseph, he asked for Jesus' body, and he took it down. He wrapped it in linen cloth. He placed it in a tomb cut in the rock, one in which no one had yet been laid. It was preparation day, and the Sabbath was about to begin. The women who had come with Jesus from Galilee, they followed Joseph. They saw the tomb and how his body was laid in it. Then they went home. They prepared spices and perfumes. But they rested on the Sabbath in obedience to the command. Wow. So this week when I sat down with that passage, I just began to read it and read it. In fact, I I read it out loud seven times. Seven sounded like a good number. So I, I did it seven times. I wanted. I just felt like I was supposed to do that before I jumped too eagerly into studying it or breaking it down. I wanted, I guess, in a way to feel what was going on. That's why I asked some of you to close your eyes, to get yourself just into that story as much as possible. I'm telling you, it was so fascinating for me to do that because even maybe some of you felt this as I was reading. You begin to see these different characters emerge, don't you? Fascinating, very interesting Characters, uh, twenty-three, Chapter 23, it's almost like this epic play or, or this incredible drama. And, and you see these different characters come on the scene at different times. And, and again, the whole chapter was really stirring me up this week. And so since there's no way I could do what I normally do, which is go verse by verse through the chapter, uh, I'm going to go character by character. And as I studied these characters, I tell you what God spoke to my heart. I believe He wants to speak to your heart too. And as I go through each character, if you can do this for me, uh, pay attention, uh, stay engaged as much as you can. Some of us are a little tired today, but uh, try to stay awake. And maybe as you go through uh, these characters, maybe it will even ignite something. Maybe it will even uh, stir something within you to go into a deeper study on your own into these characters. But more than anything, can we just be open to the Word of God, allow it to speak, because I truly believe that this can be a powerful Time. So let's get it going here. Right away we have the first character. His name is Pilate. You ever heard of Pilate before? Right? He's that Roman governor of Judea. Just in case if you were wondering if he's a real character, uh, when I was in Israel, both times I got to see what they, what is known as the Pilate Stone. If you've been in Israel, you remember that? The Pilate Stone? It was this inscription, actually his name on the inscription, mentioning him as the prefect of Judea. So Everyone we're talking about today, this morning, I just want you to hear this, this is not made up a story, right? These are not made up characters. These are real people who actually really existed. And Pilate is interesting because multiple times, I hope you caught this, he declares Jesus to be not guilty, right? Not guilty of the death penalty. If you want to go into a deeper dive of Pilate, read the Gospel of John. Uh, you're going to discover a fascinating conversation between Jesus and Pilate. Remember that conversation? And it's about truth and what is truth. So, so an interesting character. You see him, I would say, politically motivated with some of his decisions. He even kind of ignores the facts of the case, uh, the truth of uh, what's happening. And then in another well, in some way, he pretends as if he could just wash his hands of it all. So that's Pilate. I, I, along with Pilate, you could put up there Herod. Now Herod is a little confusing. You can turn me down, by the way. I feel like I'm really loud today. Um, Herod's a little confusing because when you talk about Herod, there's a lot of Herods in the Bible, aren't there? Has anyone else noticed that? Has anyone else lost track of which Herod we're talking about? In fact, one of the classes I taught at Life Ministry Institute, Braden, I think you were in this class, I I put up a uh, family tree of the Herods just to give some order for all these Herods. you got Herod the Great, which you see when you're in Israel. You see all the... uh, incredible infrastructure that Herod the Great built but then you got Herod uh, Antipas and Herod Agrippa 1 and then Herod Agrippa 2 and I mean there's just a whole lot of Herod going on uh, I- around this time but in Luke 23 just you might want to write this down it's Herod Antipas this is the same Herod who had John the Baptist executed this is the same Herod who, who was afraid if you remember that John the Baptist had been risen from the dead and this is the same Herod in Luke 13 I think 31 who once Jesus killed this is the same Herod. He, he is not a nice man he's a wicked man and in luke 23 8 through 11 it says when herod saw jesus he was greatly pleased because for a long time he'd been wanting to see jesus from what he'd heard about jesus he hoped to see jesus perform a sign of some sort he plied with him many questions but jesus he's not playing the game right he gave no answer the chief priests the teachers of the law they're standing there accusing jesus and so Herod, his soldiers, they ridicule, they mock Jesus. They dress him in an elegant robe and they send him back to Pilate. So he wanted to see Jesus. He wanted to meet Jesus. But come on, right? Can, can we just see through that? It wasn't like to worship Jesus. It wasn't to fall at Jesus' feet and, and you know worship him as Lord and Savior. No, what did he want Jesus to do? Yeah, he wanted Jesus to perform. He he wanted Jesus to entertain. Like show me what you can do. And, and Jesus isn't having it. He doesn't respond like Jesus or Herod wants him to respond. So Herod the soldiers ridiculed Jesus, mocked Jesus, and they send him back to Pilate. So just again, these two characters, Pilate and Herod, Pilate and Herod. Pilate and Herod, both interacting with Jesus in ways that the world still interacts with Jesus. Still interacting, or I would say even this way, both in ways using Jesus or trying to use Jesus for political reasons, for personal fascination, self-interest reasons, right? How can I use Jesus? It's the same way that so many of us have interacted with Jesus in our own lives. Maybe tried to use, you ever tried to use Jesus before? I mean, you don't have to say it out loud, but you have, I promise you. I mean, even recently, right? And yet, it's so far removed from how we should be interacting with Jesus, which is how, by the way, is what we just did for the last 20, 25 minutes. Lord and Savior, risen King. The Bible says two wicked men become friends. Did you catch that? Did you catch that one? These two men, their hatred of Jesus unites them as friends. Verse 12, that day Herod and Pilate became friends. Before this, they had been enemies. Again, that reminds me of so much of the culture we're living in right now where enemies unite in their hatred of Jesus. So Brabus, that's the next character. Brabus is an interesting character. I also think about those crowds that are shouting for Brabus' Release, he's a fascinating study. I I don't have time to go into great detail. Actually, Kent Ross and I, I I shared everything I learned with Kent over at uh, Surprise Lake Middle School this week. So if you want to know more, you can ask Kent. But uh, we're we're told in Matthew that it was the custom during the feast to release one prisoner. And so Pilate's up there. He asked the crowd. You guys know the story, right? Who do you want released? Is it Barabbas or Jesus? Barabbas, again, fascinating. He's an insurgent. He's killed somebody, right? Or somebody's. I mean he's stirring up trouble against Rome, right? In the city of Jerusalem. He's known as a murderer. And by the way, that that was kind of what was happening during that time. There was some Jewish people, like passionate people, zealots that were like, no way, no king but God, and they wanted Rome, right? They wanted those pagan oppressors out of there. So it looks from Luke's account that he's like murdered somebody or Somebody's in his fight against Rome. you got Jesus. you got Barabbas. Really, I would say two different men representing two different ways for the people of God to be the people of God. Know what I'm talking about? Two different ways for the people of God to be representing God to the nations. And with Barabbas, the way is what? We're going to overthrow the Roman government. We're going to overthrow that pagan oppressor. And, And you see where this path leads the nation of Israel. There's a revolt a few years later. If you guys, again, you learn about this when you go to Israel. 70 A.D., the the, uh, Romans just squash it. I mean, they squash it heavy. Thousands of Jewish people die. The temple is destroyed. The people are scattered. But I was thinking, how often do we still want Barabbas instead of Jesus? Or how often do I still act like Barabbas instead of Jesus? And it's a powerful scene because Barabbas, what he's living for, what the people of God are living for, what those religious leaders... I love the cartoon, the religious... What the religious leaders were living for at that time, it all ends up crumbling. I mean, it epically fails. I mean, that was a thing. Like, that whole system, the system of the religious leaders, the system of the temple, I mean, that was a money-making thing, and yet it just falls apart. It crumbles, and yet Jesus, the one who actually dies in this scene... He ends up building something that, what? it doesn't crumble. Come on, right? It isn't destroyed. But instead, the one who is killed, the one who gives up his life, he builds something, a temple that will last forever. Amen. So Barabbas, amazing scene. and Intense shouts of the people. Oh, does that give anyone just like, when you hear the crucify him, the fever pitch of just, I mean, you can feel the demonic forces behind that, right? Uh, you can feel that. And we know our battle isn't between flesh and blood, but you, know, and you can just know that there's something going on in the atmosphere. Crucify Him. Crucify Him. You ever have someone speak a word to you and, and you, you see it and you're like, man, they must be having a tough time. They must be having a bad day. Like you just know that there's something more like demonic going on behind what they're saying to you. And and here it is. Just crucify Him. Crucify Him. And, and, and there's a part of you, I, I know from myself, you, you just want to think like, that would never meet me. Like, I wouldn't be in that crowd. That's just, uh, just horrible words. No, like, I, I just wouldn't be there. And yet, I might have thought that way when I was a younger Christian. But I'm older. And I've been a Christian for a while. And I think the longer you walk with Jesus, <laughs> one of the reasons why you sing so loud in worship, and by the way, if you're a mature Christian, you should be singing to be singing so loud like let's get over the whole whatever like sing it's in the bible sing to the lord But you know, one of the reasons why we sing so loud, one of the reasons why we stretch out, like you wish you could stretch out your hands, you wish you could clap your hands louder. Like the reason you shout for joy, the reason you dance, right? The reason you worship the Lord is because you know that before Jesus entered your life, before he came in, before he changed you from the inside out, before you were born again, a new creation, before Jesus, when you were still dead in your sins, trapped in your sins, when you were there, a slave to sin, there's a good chance in that state, you and I, guess what? We are to join the chorus. We would have said, crucify Him, crucify And it makes you shudder, right? There's just something about the evil in this room, the wickedness of this passage, and yet that potential for evil is in all of us. And I am so thankful for Jesus coming into my life, setting me free, delivering me, rescuing me from all that. Anybody else thankful for deliverance? Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. It was a heart of stone. You came in. You brought me a heart of flesh that was alive and pulsating the very Spirit of God. Thank you, Jesus. Then you got Simon. Simon's a fascinating story. He comes into town and they're like, Hey, you carry His cross. Wow. Wow. You carry the cross of the Savior of the world. Mm. Then you have a large number of people who are following Jesus. And this is powerful to me. Not everyone's there yelling, crucify Him, crucify Him. There's a group that have been with Him for a long time. This is a a tough day. because They've given up everything to follow Jesus. This is a hard day. And they're seeing, not just, you know, the Savior of the world, but their friend. It's their brother. It's their son. So the women they're following, you can imagine Mary's probably in the crowd. They're mourning. Verse 27 says they're mourning. Sometimes when you read mourning or wailing in the Bible, you just kind of go through it. Can we put some flesh on that? You heard someone wail before. My baptism of the Holy Spirit when I was 18 was in a room full of young adults, 18, 19 year olds, and, and we were on our knees. First time I'd ever heard wailing. Just amazing. I, I was just fascinated by this passage, like all these characters. And I want you to think about it. this. Is what I thought. I was like, Where would have I been? You know, what part would have I played? There's more characters. Two criminals on the cross. You guys know this scene? This is incredible. Verse 33 says there's one on the right and one on the left. It's amazing when you think about it. Because you remember the disciples, they're arguing. And they're always arguing. Remember what they are always arguing about? Like, who's going to be on your right? And who's going to be on your left? When you enter into your kingdom, remember that they're always bickering about who's going to be who's going to be the greatest, who's going to be on your right, who's going to be on your left. Well, I, in fact, I, I think I have a passage here from Mark. He, he says, "He says, you don't know what you're asking." Remember that they're bickering like who's on my left, who's on my right, you know, who's going to be the greatest? He goes, "You don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink, or to be baptized with the baptism which I am baptized?" Oh, and they said, oh, we're able. Remember the disciples? Oh, yeah, we're able. They have no clue. The disciples had no clue. They didn't realize at this time that the establishment of Jesus' kingdom, of His rule and His reign would be found at the cross. A Roman execution device where Jesus would drink the cup, where Jesus would be baptized Into death, where Jesus would have a sign above his head that said, The King of the Jews, with a criminal on his right and a criminal on his left, initiating, establishing a kingdom in ways that none of his disciples had predicted. I don't have time to go into all of this, but uh, you just got to realize right now in this scene, all that the prophets have declared, all those stories, all those parables of Jesus, they're rapidly coming together at this scene. This scene is so intense. You could spend the rest of your life preaching just on this scene because God accomplished so much here. It's Powerful, it's beautiful, life-changing, history-changing, glory to God. Look what happens. So good. The criminal on the cross. He, one of the criminals, he, he just starts hurling insults at Jesus. Like, aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. <laughs> but the other criminal he rebuked him. Don't you fear God? since you are under the same sentence. We are punished justly. We're getting what our deeds deserve. But this man, he's done nothing wrong. Jesus. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. You, just, you just imagine Jesus looking at him with his own eyes. Can you, aren't you excited for that day when Jesus will look at you with his own eyes? And he says, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Hallelujah. But I'll tell you this, church, what faith for that criminal to say that? What faith? Let me explain this. Because you're saying this to a man who's about to die. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. You're saying this to someone who is about to die, who is no longer going to be there. Why would you ever say to someone who's about to die, remember me? It doesn't even make sense unless you believed that this man was truly the Messiah. He was truly the king that would go through death and come out on the other side to rule and reign as the resurrected Lord. The faith of that criminal. Do you, are you tracking with me? The faith of that criminal. And Jesus sees that faith. And he says, I see you, son. Today you will be with me in paradise. Today you will be with me in paradise. It's a comfort to every one of us for thousands of years, million, for 2,000 years, millions and millions of Christians. We have been comforted by those words because whatever happens to us in the next day, 10 days, 100 days, 1,000 days, whatever happens to us, we know that our last breath here is our first breath with Jesus. Hallelujah and amen. 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 Praise the Lord. And then there's a couple more characters. Incredible, powerful. Verse 50. There's a man named Joseph. What a, I can't wait to meet this man Joseph. I I love the description of Joseph. I I want to read it again. He's a member of the council. He's a good, upright man. He he hadn't consented to their decision and action. He'd come from a Judean town of Arimathea. He himself, he was waiting for the kingdom of God. He goes to Pilate. He asks for Jesus' body. Look at this love and this compassion, this tenderness. He, He took it down. He wrapped it in linen cloth. He placed it in a tomb cut in the rock, one in which no one had yet been laid. It was Preparation Day, and the Sabbath was about to begin. And then those women, the final characters we want to talk about, they'd come from Jesus, from Galilee, done that whole trek with Him. But they followed Joseph. They, they saw that Joseph was doing something with Jesus' body, so they followed Him. they saw the tomb where they had laid His body. And then they had gone home. They, they began to prepare spices and perfumes, and they rested on the Sabbath in obedience to the commandment. And I, and I want to say this, church, I, I don't know who you identify with today. And, and I realize there's different seasons in life. There's different times in life. And I'd say even, man, I feel like I've been through a lot. <laughs> and I always tell people I've lived two lifetimes in, in the first 40 years of my life. But I don't know who you identify with. But for me, at different times in my life, I identify with different people. Right? Like, you think of those characters, like, yeah different seasons, different people, different times. And you don't want to admit this to anybody, but there are flashes of every one of those characters at different times in our lives. Good, bad, or ugly. Pilate, Harry, Barabbas, Simon, Joseph. Sometimes you're the criminal who's insulting jesus sometimes you're the criminal who believes in jesus but what about you if you're watching this online today what about you which one are you who are you these days well i'll tell you what this week the one i identify the most with I, I haven't even mentioned him yet it was that centurion at the cross remember the centurion at the cross Luke, luke's account says the centurion seeing what had happened he, He praised God. What a scene, right? A Roman soldier, there at the death of Jesus. He sees what had happened he praises God and says, Surely this was a righteous man. In Matthew's account it says that he said, Truly this was the Son of God. Truly this was the Son of God. I don't have to convince most of you that God has been doing something pretty special in our personal lives lately at this church. Right Or in the collective body of this church. God is doing something. God is moving. I, in my own life, what I've seen Jesus do lately in my own life, and the lives of others, I just feel that today. When you see Jesus do what only Jesus can do, I guess you either reject Him and you try to kill Him, or you fall at your feet. Or you fall on your face and you just begin to praise God. Right? Because you say, truly, you are the Son of God. And so today, I know we're all at different stages on our journey with Jesus, but no matter where you're at today, no matter who you identify with, which character you identify with, I'm glad you're here. I'm happy you're here. However you came into this space today, my prayer for you would just be simply this, that you take one step closer to Jesus. That you take one step further into your walk of faith with Jesus. You take one step further, one step forward in trusting Jesus as your Lord and as your savior so i want you to think about these characters again they're real people real people again the bible we make it so like uh uh, like a cartoon story but these are real people real emotions real feelings this day is a heavy day real heartbreak real pain and they had to make real decisions that had by the way real consequences but also every one of them needed a real savior to forgive them of their sins. and so i just say this i hope you're willing to give God permission to take you one step forward in your relationship with Him today. And I identify with that centurion today, but I also have a hunch that many of you could identify with him today. Because you've seen Jesus do what only Jesus can do. And it does, by the way, stir up some emotions. In fact, I bet you there's people here that are not here, that should be here, that didn't come here today because they saw Jesus do what Jesus did last week and they're just trying to process it it all. They're trying to comprehend what Jesus is doing. And and I just want to encourage you in that because when He moves, when He does what only He can do, it does stir things up. It stirs up emotions. It stirs up um, feelings. It's messy. It's kind of complicated at times. and We way complicate it. But I just want to encourage you. God... Wants you today to take a step forward with him. He loves you that much. And I, and I get it. You don't, you're don't. you like, man, he's like, don't try to get all the answers here. Just be open to my move. Be open to what I am doing. Fall at your feet and praise me as the Son of God. Let's watch this together. I, I think uh, this is very powerful, what we're going to watch here. And then uh, Pastor Laura will come up and we'll
2: close.
3: something had that feeling where you just realized it and it was too late though and as much as you want to just step back and turn around all you can do is look at it from behind and just wish you had that second chance but you don't there that day I stood at the foot of the cross a shell of a man my heart was hardened to emotions to death to gore I was the one to nail him to the cross but just like I had done dozens of times before for the murderers, the thieves, and the rebels that came before him. But this man, he did things, he said things. Life didn't just seep out of him, it was as if he was the one to decide when to let go. Has someone ever told you that they forgive you? And then you just get all puffed up inside. You get in this bowed chest because you're wondering why I don't need to be forgiven. And you can go about it one of two ways. One, you can think about it. And as you think about it, you get angry. Or you can... Or you can... That day, I stood at the foot of the cross, and that man, Jesus, he said, Father, forgive them they do not know what they are doing and then it it hit me it hit me good like a biting wind see i break break their bones I nail their hands I nail their feet I stab them in the side Why do I need to be forgiven for just doing my job and doing it right be forgiven and then I looked up and I saw him and I knew that he was and is the son of God
4: we have the worship team come up truly he is the son of God and maybe you're here today or maybe you're watching online and you have never declared that Jesus is the son of God today ask him into your life ask him to forgive you of your sins. He wants to meet you there, for truly he is the son of God. And maybe you've been walking with Christ for some time. But there's areas in your life that you have not declared that he is the son of God. Is he truly the son of God in our workplace? Is he truly the son of God? over our disease and our sickness and our illnesses? Is He truly the Son of God in our relationships? And I want to invite you today to put your faith in the Son of God. No matter where you are, no matter what you're walking through, that you would declare Jesus is Lord. That you would declare Him Savior, that you would declare him Lord over your life no matter where you are or what you're walking through. And as we worship, would you just stand with us and take a posture of surrender and say, Lord, whatever area in my life that I have not declared you the Son of God, tell me, fill me, cleanse me today for truly You are the Son of God.